Welcome to Parse, the official podcast of the Elahe Omidyar, Mir Jalali Institute of Iranian Studies at the University of Toronto. In Persian, Parse means strolling or wandering around as an observer of contemporary life and modernity. In a similar spirit, our podcast Parse aims to take our listeners on an intellectual stroll in the field of Iranian studies, where they can listen to different ideas from leading thinkers, academics, activists, and authors in the discipline. Our podcast will provide thought-provoking excerpts from lectures and seminars organized by the Iranian Studies Institute at U of D to make the extensive work we do with our partners more accessible to academics and non-academics alike across Canada and beyond. The 29th episode of Parse is an excerpt of a lecture given by Sunil Sharma on almost a dozen anthologies featuring female Persian, including Turkish and Urdu poets that appeared in the 19th and early 20th century in Iran and North India. Sharma explores the larger social and literary context that gave rise to this literary phenomena with compilers and to a great extent, readers were men. These works elicit many questions about the intended readership, the sources used, print technology, and more centrally, the impulse to create competing canons of Persianate poetry featuring female poets from the earliest times to the present. Sunil Sharma is a professor of Persianate and comparative literature at Boston University. His areas of expertise are Persian and South Asian literatures, and his research interests include poetry and court cultures, the history of the book, and travel writing. His latest book, Mughal Arcadia, Persian Poetry in an Indian Court, published in 2017, is a study of early modern Persianate literature. According to an old tradition, the first poet of uh, Persian was the legendary pre-Islamic Sasanian king Behram Egur, hero of Nizami's romance Haft Pekar, um, and following him of Amir Khosrow's Hash Behisht. Um, this is somewhat surprising, of course, uh, because you know there was no new Persian in the Sasanian times, but that fact should not bother us. Um, I believe this uh, was mentioned first by Aufi, author of the earliest biographical dictionary, Lubabul al-Bab, in the 13th century. And then in the 15th century, the Timurid um, author, Dalat Shah, in his Tazkire, um, he mentions this fact again, uh, but he adds a narrative um, to this story. So whereas Aufi had said that um, Behram Gur um, uttered one line of Persian poetry, and that's the earliest po Persian poetry we have, um, what Daulat Shah says is that um, Behram Gur was out on a hunt with his um, beloved Dilaram, the harpist. Um, and um, this is when he's said to have uttered um, uh, this line, except in Dolat Shah's version, uh, Behram Gur utters the first hemistitch and says, Manam on pile damon or manam on shire yale. I am that raging elephant, I am that attacking lion. And to which Dilaram, the harpist, responds, Nami Behram Torah. Your name is Bahram and your father is Bujabale. 
In the 19th century, a new tradition arose, uh, which claimed that this was the earliest verse by a Persian woman. Um, and of course, I mentioned the historical anachronism because uh, this was much before New Persian was around. Uh, but um, later I will, in my talk, I will identify the sources that, um, that, that where this story begins that the very first uh, Persian, female Persian poet is Dilarame Changi. Um, there's a long tradition of making place for female poets in the history of Persian literature in the pre-modern period. Um, despite the small corpus of poems compared to male poets. There were efforts from a very early date to preserve and read these works. Verses by women are found in a number of medieval and early modern sources, mainly anthologies and biographical dictionaries. Many of the earliest women poets are only identified by their patronymic monikers. For instance, names such as Dohtare Hosom, Hosam Salar, Dokhtare Hakim Gav, Dokhtare Sati, Dokhtare Sijistanie, Dokhtare Kashkari, and Bintun Najariye. The earliest complete divan of a female poet that has come down to us is that of Jahan Malik Khatun, of course, who was a contemporary of Hafez in the 14th century. And uh, 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 my colleagues, uh, Dominic Brookshaw and Domenico Ingenito, have worked on. Um, uh, this poet on uh, Jahan Malik. Um, this was, there was especially a great interest on the part of Safavid and Mughal men of letters to inscribe the lives and poetry of female poets within the narrative of a larger literary tradition and not necessarily as um, a niche phenomenon. Uh, Fakhri Heravi, a Safavid um, uh, man of letters who ended up at the court uh, in early 16th century in Sindh, uh, compiled the first uh, small taskir of women poets, the Jawahir ul Ajayib. Um, uh, and we, we can call it the earliest biographical dictionary that is exclusively on women poets. And um, the French scholar Maria Jupa has written a very detailed article on this. Um, the small group of poets in this anthology, in Fakhri's uh, 16th century anthology, are mainly royal Timurid women, um, but among whom is the rather elusive poet Masati. And um, I think uh, some of my colleagues know I have an interest in the works and, um, and the tradition of um, Masati. Um, and I'll talk about this painting a little later, but this is like Dilaram, she's shown as a um, uh, a musician here. Even by the early modern period, that is by, you know, in the uh, uh, sort of high Safavid and Mughal period, um, a substantial um, uh, uh, number of uh, uh, verses by women poets had been lost. But works like Taki Ohadi's uh, biographical dictionary, Arafatul Ashikin, includes quite a few uh, uh, women poets, um, and, and this was followed by a number of other um, works uh, in the 18th and 19th century. And we see that over time, um, the, the number of, uh, you know, women poets included in sort of uh, uh, the larger um, biographical dictionaries, they increase. Um, and we still don't have, an, you know, there was only this one exclusively female uh, Tazkere that doesn't again happen till the 19th century. 
Um, today, I will focus on the 19th century when several overlapping textual practices coexisted. Some old, such as the compiling of biographical dictionaries that I've mentioned briefly, but also composition of romances on some of these poets and new trends such as printing, um, even as the number of women poets multiplied. My broader interest in this topic is how the Persian literary past and the place of female poets was con conceptualized in different parts of the Persianate world, specifically among compilers of anthologies in Iran and India. I will begin uh, with looking at uh, the, the earliest 19th century materials, or at least one work, which is the earliest, uh, was produced in Iran. Uh, but these are the four major works from Iran in the 19th century. They're all basically, as I uh, indicated, Tazkires. A uh, couple of them were published. Um, um, and, and the last one is a very interesting work. But the, for the first work, the Nokle Majlis, um, this was a pioneering biographical dictionary come anthology on female poets from the early 19th century, written by a Qajar prince, Mahmoud Mirza, who was the 15th son of Fat Ali Shah. Um, and again, Dominic Brookshaw has published a detailed and uh, learned study of this uh, task here. It's a small work. Um, it was, it's been published in Iran recently, um, only about uh, you know, 20 or so poets. Um, and uh, my discussion here owes a great, great deal to uh, Brookshaw's scholarship. Um, he rightly suggested Zia Saltaneh, um, Mahmoud Mirza's full sister, should be credited with her contribution to the work and her role as patron and co-compiler cannot be overestimated. And I'm not going to do this for every work, but this work I found so interesting. Um, I wanted to show you how it's broken down. Um, the the you know even though it's so small, using the tabakat um, kind of classification. Um, and the first section, because this is a was you know written in a royal court, is about the Shahzadegan, seven daughters of Fatali Shah, one granddaughter, one wife, one daughter-in-law, and kind of Mahfi. Um, uh, the Mughal princess, Zibun Nisa. Uh, she's in this group, uh, even though she's not Qajar, but she's a princess. And then the second section is this Avalo Ashore Pardegione Haram Shah, three wives and two daughters, daughters in law, Fatali Shah. And the third section is on that Akwalo Abiyote Shuaraye Nisfon Ke Dar Belad Iran Budan Bahastan. So both um, uh, a few poets, representative poets. Uh, from the past and from the present, from especially someone like Rashhe, the daughter of uh, the Bosgash poet Hatif, um, a very important poet that, who's been kind of rediscovered now. And then the last section, which I found very interesting, he calls it the Majlise Taze, Abiyato Avalate Khiriat, the Lalate Mozunane Niswan. Um, and I, you know, and, and Dominic, uh, you know, wrote about this, saying that this section represents the poets of the larger Persianate world. But I felt there was something else going on here as well. Um, and if, if you look carefully, it's it's really talking about the coquettes or the bad girls of Persian poetry. Um, and for each of these poets who are, um, you find that the author, um, either by innuendo or directly, um, says that, uh, uh, you know, they've, they've led somewhat of a colorful life. So um, one of them is a motribe or khunyagar, a minstrel, 
another one, Mehri, who's, you know, very well-known uh, Timurid poet, um, that she was involved in a sexual relationship with the niece of Goharshad Begum and was imprisoned. Um, and, and names like, you know, Ismat, um, uh, she says about, uh, he says about Ismat, um, that Tariqe Aashiki o Dilnabazi Khudra be Dokhtar Qazi budan Razi nemi danist. Um, that she was not satisfied with uh, being a lover as the daughter of a Qazi. So, and 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 uh, uh, interestingly, someone like Nujan Begum, the Mughal queen, the wife of the emperor uh, Jahangir, um, uh, she finds herself in this list, you know, in this group of bad girls is because she kind of wormed her way into a marriage with the emperor. And, and, and you know, the author suggests that she had her husband killed. So this is a very, you know, uh, kind of on the first, you know, on the uh, sort of uh, surface, you get this idea that there are all these respectable Qajar princesses and royal women included here. Uh, but then you have this, uh, you know, very interesting um, last bit as well, which is important for the point I make um, later on, because here notice that it's a separate section and these kinds of women will then be, uh, uh, you know, blended into one group later on. A um, couple of points that uh, Brookshaw makes in his article, uh, you know, that I find uh, uh, that, you know, they have helped me to think about what happens in the 19th century. So I'm just going to uh, quote two short quotations from him. Uh, uh, one is, uh, he says that the fact that only a few manuscript copies of this work, Nokle Majlis, have survived, and the fact that the work was never printed in the 19th century should not be presented as so solid evidence that the work was intended for a private royal audience or one limited to a select elite female readership. So this kind of uh, starts us thinking on the idea of readership, that even when works were written in smaller circles, royal circles, um, there, uh, you know, they were circulated, or they circulated in possibly in larger groups, and and were they written as uh, kind of models for female poets? That's a very good question that he um, asked too. And the other point he makes, uh, and to quote him again, is that anxieties concerning women's writing of any kind, and more specifically sensitivities around the dissemination of that writing should neither be ignored nor underestimated, since women's writing was seen by many as the unwelcome intrusion of the female voice into the public sphere. By the end of the uh, uh, 19th century, sorry, social movements such as the issue of women's education and lithographic printing of books would result in a wider circulation of books and a less conservative view about the reading of poetry and the writing of poetry by women than um, reflected in um, this work, No Clay Majlis. Thank you for listening to this episode of Parse. Your support is invaluable to us. To like, share, or listen to our latest episodes, please head to our pages on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. To watch the complete seminars, please head to the Elaheo Midyar Mujalali Institute for Iranian Studies website and YouTube page, which are linked in the description. See you again on our next episode.